Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God take your soul, you're on your own. Merry Christmas and welcome to a special edition of Way in Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined with co-host Jonathan Miklos. We wanted to, to have a special show tonight. We've never had a Christmas show. So we're going to have one tonight and hope you all can join us. If not, listen to us on the archive like you did Wednesday night. Had a lot of listeners, guys. Just want to thank everybody for listening to the show, even though you can't make it live. It means a lot. Keeps our numbers going high and, and just the name out there. We 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 do this if if ten people were listening, but I would do it, you know, for if ten people were listening. I'd do it for us, but now kind of started doing it for the for the fans out there and people that, that want to listen to sports that uh you know, you don't have to agree with us all the time, but but for the most part it's we all share the same passion, all the same common goals. And excuse me while I'm getting situated right quick. Uh, we all share the same common goal. We love football. And we love sports. Jonathan loves every sport, but I'm, I'm just more of a, a football guy. I like baseball, basketball, played them all. I'm not a hockey guy, but you're welcome no matter what sports you like to come on into the show. But we do specialize in the NFL and mainly college football. If you want to really hear some good NFL talk, make sure you get the Couch Potato, his sports show, on Sunday mornings. He breaks down every NFL game, game by game by game. And also NBA and baseball action, sports talk with the guys every Saturday. So I want to make sure in the morning you listen to sports talk with the guys at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific time. Jonathan, hope you had a Merry Christmas, man. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I uh, spent um, some good time with the family today. Um, had a really, really nice prime rib for dinner. I'll tell you that much. You want to talk about the highlight of my day? Highlight of my day was a nice prime rib. Grandma can cook herself a prime rib now. <laughs> prime rib, huh? I had some. I had some Waffle House today. That was great. <laughs> well, you think I'm joking? I love the Waffle House on Christmas. What are you talking about? I'm just, I'm just. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw Concussion today. By the way, good movie. I recommend it. I mean, you know, I, it didn't educate me a lot, but it it uh, shed some light on some things. Maybe I guess. What do you think about the movie? Did you see it? Are you going to see it? What's going on with that? Well, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I've heard some mixed reviews. Uh, I've heard it was great. I heard it wasn't as yeah. And most reviews I'm hearing are people who are disappointed because they thought the movie was really going to get after the NFL and was going to uh, kind of just you know really lay them all out there. And supposedly, from what I've been hearing, is that they didn't really attack the NFL. They just kind of educated everybody on, hey, here are concussions and, and these are bad. Well, I thought they did give the NFL a black eye. Kind of made them look like they were ignoring it. And even the one of the ex-team positions on there said, you know, was talking about they were paid just to get them back on the field. And and, and who was on the committee, the actual concussion committee, was 
actually comprised of two trainers, a towel boy, uh, you know, somebody that washes the clothes. You know, so it was a mm. joke really to the NFL, and and I, I thought it. I thought it was against the NFL. I did, and and maybe I'm wrong. You can watch it. Everybody sees things differently and interprets them differently. Mm-hmm. Got to watch Creed uh, this weekend as well, and uh, also the uh, Big Short, great movie. I know it's not sports, but if you like, I, I, I think that movie would be right up your alley, Jonathan. The Big Short. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a couple really good movies have come out. Um, I, I've got to be honest, I haven't been to the movie theaters since Ted came out. I actually took a date to see that movie. Uh, so it's, it's Ted been a minute. Ted or um, Ted? Ted, the first one. My God, that's like eight years ago. <laughs> that's the last time I watched the movies. I took a, I took a girl to a date on that. I think I was a, I think I was a senior in high school. Um I think so. I don't know. I remember the girl's name. Well, I wonder. I wonder. Uh, if, I wonder if Quinn. I wonder if Quinn's watched The Godfather yet? Because I'm not letting him on the show until he's watched The Godfather. I'm gonna bring him on in a minute and ask him a couple of questions and see if he really lied. If he's gonna lie about it. You know he got. You know. You know he's probably got like Wikipedia or something up in front of him. Let me ask him, Quinn. Welcome to the show. Have you watched any of the movies we recommended? What do you think? I've been with family the last couple of days. I might go. I'm not a big couple movie days. It's been a month ago. Not, those are great so movies to watch with family, especially I, your grandfather. Your grandpa probably likes those movies. I have no interest in watching those movies. Bye. Oh. See you, Gwen. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn's like, man, y'all hanging up on me. Quinn, you got till December 31st, or we will come wherever you live and pull, make you watch it. We'll tie you up and, and t- tape your eyelids so they're open, and you will watch everything. So, anyway, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Uh, let's get into some, some sports talk. Go watch Concussion. See for yourself, everybody. Don't, don't listen to other people's opinions because most people are stupid. I mean, that's just the truth if you think about it. <laughs> that's just the truth. Most people are dumb. You don't want their their opinions anyway. But, well, what a game last night in the NFL. First of all, Jonathan, nine and three at the bowls so far. Not too bad. No, no, you're you're doing pretty well. I know I'm middling right now, um, which is funny because if you look at the bets I've made, <laughs> I think I'm five and one. So, like, you know, I, there are a couple of these games where I was like, let me just throw a dart at the board. Uh, but at that mm-hmm. NFL game, like you said, that, that really was a fun game, huh? That was. I mean, uh, Christmas Eve, I mean, the NFL finally got it right on Thursday night, a game that was actually fun to watch. Too bad the Raiders, you know, they can't go anywhere, but I know nobody that I know, and, and nobody. Quinn, you can't tell me that you thought the Raiders could possibly end the season maybe 8-8. Eight and eight. They're not going to beat Kansas City next weekend unless Kansas City's resting a lot of people, but what a phenomenal season for the Oakland Raiders, Quinn. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, they've done pretty well. They, they, they're getting in some good players, and then they have a pretty good coach. So they're it's pro- all about the quarterback. The- right? I mean, think about it. When did, when did Oakland start getting better, Jonathan? When is it? I mean, they finally got a quarterback, right? Right after they drafted, I mean, Derek Carr, he, he showed a lot of progress. He looked very good last year. 
Um, obviously, he's still growing. Uh, you know, as we saw in that game, there were some moments where and the, the spot got a little too big for him. He got a little too wide-eyed. But for the most part, from what I've seen, I'm very impressed with Derek Carr. I mean, he, you know, and just thinking about it, what a quarterback class. That's what they're going to turn out to be from what we've seen from guys this year with Bridgewater, Carr, Bortles, who nobody's really talking about, but he's thrown for over 30 touchdowns this year uh, for Jacksonville. And Jacksonville's not a, t- a very good team. Um, and then, I mean, Manziel, as much as we make fun of him, when I watched him last Sunday, what I saw was a competent quarterback who was still growing. And I think the big thing here is all four of those quarterbacks have taken steps forward this year. And that's all you look forward in. The so- that's all you're looking forward to in a sophomore season. You just want those guys to take a step forward and not a step back, like we see so often. Yeah. So it's going to be good to see. You know, I'm interested to see how all four of those kids do next year. Because at the end of the day, all four of them should be starters from day one. No, no competition at all. Well, 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 let's let's look at the top. And I don't know if Bama fans think Amari Cooper's the reason. That's the ten, that's two percent of the reason. But it's all about Carr becoming more comfortable. Don't don't lie to yourself out there. But let's 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 look at the best teams in the NFL right now and and see about their quarterback situation. Let's look. Cam Newton and Carolina undefeated. Great quarterback, growing up, you know, maturing, getting better every game. New England, Tom Brady, twelve and two. Um, Denver, ten and four. I mean, I, I, I credit Peyton Manning. I'm going to say Peyton Manning instead of the, the other kid. Uh, Cincinnati, eleven and three. They've got a good quarterback. But let's look at the Green Bay, of course, in Bridgewater. They're up at the top of their division. Arizona, Seattle at the top of theirs. Washington, see Washington, Philadelphia, the Giants, and Dallas—they all suck, and they don't have a quarterback. I mean, you think that division's bad? We have Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Bortles can't win it by himself. But look at that division—no quarterback played. Jonathan, I mean, what's the common denominator here? Every team I named that was good had a good quarterback, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, you know, I—I I was talking about this. Um, with with my uncle last night, we were having a discussion, and he's a Steeler fan. And you know, I said, think about this for a second. In all honesty, the Steelers would probably pay the Patriots for the AFC Championship game in the divisional round. And it's because if you look at the teams that are going to make the playoffs, there are, you know, there are six teams with winning records in the Houston 500 right now, and your quarterbacks. And for those teams, you have Brady and Roethlisberger. Two of the best quarterbacks in the league, no doubt about it. The Jets have Ryan yep. Fitzpatrick. The Bengals are starting McCarron. <laughs> Houston is starting, I don't know, maybe Brian Hoyer if he's healthy again. If not, it's Brandon Whedon. Denver's got Osweiler in there. And Kansas City's got Alex Smith. I mean, the, the AFC yep. seems so much weaker than the NFC. And then you look at the quarterbacks and go, oh, that kind of explains it. When you look at the top exactly. four, top five teams in the NFC, Rogers, Bridgewater, Newton, Palmer, and Russell. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. The NFC is still a wide-open race for the Super Bowl. The AFC, I think it's a two-team fight. It is. It is. You're right. I, look, there's nobody in the AFC besides Pittsburgh and New England. I'm sorry. And it's exactly what Jonathan said. Name it the quarterbacks. You have, you know, two top five quarterbacks right in that division. And if you go to the NFC, 
It's a dogfight with Carson Palmer, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Bridgewater. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback probably out of all those I said. He's more established and everything. But it all runs through Carolina, and, and, it, and they have a solid quarterback. But when you do see teams like – even with Andy Dalton at Cincinnati, he's a serviceable quarterback. I don't think he's a Super Bowl quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. You look at Alex Smith at Kansas City, they're a good little team but they're not going to ever win a Super Bowl because they have no quarterback. So that's why you're saying Ben Roethlisberger, um, Tom Brady, and I'm looking at probably Cam Newton playing Carson Palmer, you know, to see who goes to the Super Bowl. Those are those are four great quarterbacks right now in the NFL or possibly Russell Wilson. I'm going to go ahead and pick Seattle right now to, to probably make the NFC championship game. So Russell Wilson has really, really stepped up his game. I was – I was wrong about that guy. I, I didn't give him enough credit. And I think here in the last couple of years, he's really started to develop into a quarterback. But if you're you're St. Louis and you're wondering why you suck right now, look at your quarterback. You look, If you're San Francisco and you wonder why you suck, look at your quarterback. If you're Chicago and you wonder why you suck, look at your quarterback. If you're New Orleans, it's, it's Drew Brees is getting older and they don't have anything around him. They started trading off all their pieces. Tennessee, Mariota's a rookie. Sorry, he's got to take his growing pains. Cleveland's Cleveland. Their star quarterback can't stay out of jail or out of a bar. Quinn, what, what do you see when you're when, – what, what, what do you think when we're talking about all this with the quarterback? Well, I'll correct you on the Bears. Cutler does not suck this year. He's far from suck. But – He swallows. Yeah, some of it's the quarterback. Um, people don't people don't put enough pressure on the defense. Uh, some of those teams have really sucky defenses. Um, I mean, I mean, I would say Kirk Cousins is a pretty good quarterback, but yet they don't have that great of a team. Um, Kirk Cousins is a is a bipolar quarterback. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean it. I mean some of it. I would say the Saints' main problem is their defense. They give up so many points. Yeah, but I mean, I mean yeah, but the a lot of it is we're talking about play. quarterback. I mean, if you want to see who's going to be in the Super Bowl, look at the quarterback. I mean, if you who's a real contender. I mean, defense is defense, guys. People have one or you don't. But I mean, I, all those teams I named. I mean, the best team, they have the quarterback, but the defense also. I think Carolina's starting to show a little, you know, weaknesses, losing the corner, a couple of corners here and there. But you know what? Cam Newton makes up for it. You know, yeah. you know, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Jonathan, six and eight. But you can't really say their quarterback sucks because James Winston's a rookie and he's done actually very well this year. So in a couple of years – we're going to look at Tampa Bay, I think, in the same way we're looking at Carolina right now. Uh, talking about them for mm-hmm. a, a contender to, for the Super Bowl. I mean, if he continues the path he's on and he continues to get better two, three, four years down the road, they should be playing for a Super Bowl. But there's some teams like Cleveland, there's no hope for them. They're never going to be out of the cellar, never. And Detroit, I mean, Stafford's a good quarterback, but, but they suck. There's an exception to the rule. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say, but the best quarterbacks when it comes to playoff time, I mean, that's that's what matters. Trey, I mean, uh, Jonathan said Pittsburgh and, and New England. 
Quinn, can you see any other two teams really in the AFC that could possibly pose a threat to make the Super Bowl besides those two? I can't. No. I don't. I think if there was one, I think it might be Kansas City, but no, I think it'll be between Pittsburgh and New England. Yeah, and it is. I mean, so Kansas City's a paper and, team. I mean, yeah. here, here's my thing with Kansas City. Uh, you know, everybody's like, "Oh, look, look at look at the winning streak they're on," and you know, they're they're doing really well right now. Yeah, let me go through this schedule really quick, and you tell me. All right, how Kansas City looks. All right, so they opened the year by beating Houston. Then they lost to Denver, Green Bay, Cincinnati, Chicago, and Minnesota. Okay? I mean, they're 1-5 at that point. Their season's over. So they beat Pittsburgh without Roethlisberger. They beat Detroit. They beat Denver when Peyton got hurt. They beat San Diego. They beat Buffalo. They beat Oakland. They beat San Diego. They beat Baltimore. So during this winning streak, they're wrong. They beat Pittsburgh without Roethlisberger and Denver when Manning got hurt. Uh, and I Baltimore mean, without Flacco. But Baltimore's been terrible with Flacco this year. I mean, I don't, I, that doesn't really matter much to me. Um, I think Baltimore loses that game no matter how you slice it. They just they just got struck by such bad luck uh, defense injury-wise. But, I mean, when they played Denver, when Denver was healthy, they lost. When they played Green Bay, they lost. When they played Cincinnati, they lost. I mean, Kansas City's not a good team. They just got the easy – they got the, the schedule gods gave them a gift this back half. I think if Kansas City were to play a real team, they'd get stomped again. Uh, that, you know, that's just the point I want to make about them. If anybody <laughs> is able to sneak their way into the Super Bowl from the AFC, it's Denver. And the only reason I say that is because they have the best defense in the NFL. You know, as long as whoever you have playing quarterback doesn't – put them in a bad situation, that defense can carry you like we've seen happen with the 85 Bears, the 2,000 Ravens, the 2,002 Bucks, where defense has really carried those teams more than the offense did. And that's the only other situation I see, though. Yeah. I mean, they, they have had Bears, too. They didn't win it, but their defense right. carried them to that Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, because because we know Lovey Smith's not a Super Bowl coach. You know, you look at Carolina's schedule, Jonathan. I mean, they've had a favorable one. You know, like certain matchups. Mm-hmm. They beat Seattle when before Seattle started getting hot. They they beat Green Bay. That was a big win at the time. And but really, Dallas with no Romo. But they've been destroying teams for the most part. But now we come up to to the week sixteen and seventeen at Atlanta. Why is that point spread six and a half right now? Well, oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, I, the, the six and a half, a, a, you know, it's an interesting number to key number. People like to get under that. Now, because it's Friday, what I think might be happening, and you see this from time to time, what might be happening is um, the, the sharps are buying the line down so they can hammer it when it, they get it under a key number. Uh, and because it hasn't moved a lot, it's only moved half a point here and uh, really half a point at all. Because what I'm seeing is 80% of, uh, actually 79% of the spread bets are on Carolina right now. 21% on Atlanta. But what might be happening is there are a little bigger money bets so they can, you know, from sharp bettors who are betting maybe 1,000 on, on Atlanta plus the seven. 
And what that does is the, the casinos know that these guys are professional gamblers and they're pretty good at what they do, so they start to adjust the line. And once it gets under seven, these guys come back and bet ten grand on Carolina laying six and a half. I mean, you see it happen all the time in big games like this. Uh, so I think that's the only thing happening because, you know, the majority of the public is, is they're, they're sticking with Carolina. Yeah, I, th- I don't think mm-hmm. Carolina, I, I don't know if they'll cover or not. It's just weird how, like last week, they were favored sort of the same way and they were up by 28 and they, they allowed the team to come back and then only went by three and didn't cover, which was a sure cover. Uh, if you bet on Carolina last weekend and gave the points, you feel real stupid right now watching that game. But, but yeah, I think you can't really pay attention to the point spread until Sunday morning. That's when, that's when you get real value. Like you said, they're pushing the line in their favor when it drops. I think a lot of people buy it when it wasn't at seven. I think they take they buy the half and they buy it so many times that they finally have to force people the line down so people. You're not going to buy it up to seven, really, and push. You you want that seven and a half. So if I did that, Jonathan, if I bought it to seven and a half, and that line drops to six and a half, I'm going to take six and a half. And if it hits at seven, I went both ways. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you can, if you if you get that opportunity to middle, as as we like to call it, if you can middle, middle, do it. I mean, really, just you know, stick it in their eye when you do it. I mean, yeah, there's. You know, I got I got a good friend who he likes the two way team games where he's getting the six on both ways um, to try and catch it in between. He's like, I can I can I'm betting one game, I'm betting it two different ways in the same bet, and I can hit it. And it, it's crafty. It's a really crafty way to gamble on football games. If you think it's going to be a close, tight game, then that's probably yeah. the best way to do it. And Jonathan, how many times have I? I mean, I can count probably on two hands. It hasn't happened a lot, but. I used to take a game, Quinn, you may not know what we're talking about as much, but you may have gambled a little bit. But just say just say right now the Patriots are favored three this weekend over the Jets. So what I would do is buy buy it down to two and a half for New England, buy it up to three and a half for the Jets. A lot of the NFL games that are three seems like they hit on three. And you'd be surprised. I mean, there's low risk. You know, you're you're losing juice is really all you're losing. But you have a chance to really, really hit them good. So what I do is take a hundred dollars and and buy it down to two and a half and buy it up to three and a half. Jonathan, I'm going to lose what twenty bucks or win two hundred. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not a bad way to gamble on a close game like that. No, it's really not. Um, you know, you just got to obviously, you know, make sure, you know, you know what you're doing. Uh, and when you're doing it, you know, you don't want to be that guy who, you know, he's. He, he just starts doing it because, you know what I'm saying? You're doing, you're doing it because yeah. you think that's a winning strategy. It doesn't work out in all the games. And now, because of the way, because of moving back to the extra point, if you have, like, a Jaguars game where their kicker has missed seven <laughs> extra points this year, you're not comfortable yeah. with, the, with going two and a half, three and a half, because he misses an extra point, the line's two. You know, I think dead numbers, you know, and, and for those who don't know, what we used to consider dead numbers, was, you know, four, five, um, eight was considered a dead number. Two was really considered, used to be considered a dead number. Usually you didn't have to worry about them. But now that, you know, we the kicks, you know, move back, guys are missing more extra points. Now there's no more dead numbers. You know, we've seen some real funky scores this year. And I think, that, you know, it, it stresses Vegas out a little bit more. And that's why you're actually seeing more lines this year at two than three. 
Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a real good point because the threes not it, it's really changed the way in Vegas. I don't think they've adjusted to it yet. It's, it's going to take them a little while too to adjust to to see how many extra points are missed, which teams are missing them. But but yeah, you look through the point spreads this week. I thought I saw a couple of two and a half, like the Dolphins and Colts. All it takes is an extra point to to screw that up. And I do see a 404 caller in the queue that's been in hold hold for about a minute. If you want in, press number one. We'll get you in here. Uh, I won't bring you on unless you hit number one. I don't bring people on out of surprise. But but Quinn, I know you don't you don't bet on football, do you? Well, I'm not quite old enough yet. I'll be 21 and. In a month, in a couple weeks. So, Quinn, Quinn, I was betting on football games when I was twelve. Man, you don't have to be twenty-one. Uh, I'm saying, come on, Bubba. I had a, I had a number. I had a phone number I could call with my number when I was thirteen, actually, and, and was able to call in some bets. That, that twenty-one stuff. What are you going to do? Drive to Vegas and put a wager down, Quinn? I mean, <laughs> what? Are, what, are, what are, <laughs> Yeah, I want twenty five bucks on Auburn in the in the Birmingham Bowl. I'm twenty one now. <laughs> no, I, I was running parlay sheets when I was in, in middle school. It's the people, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and Jonathan, how long, honestly, have you been betting on football games? Um, I mean, I, I you know, I, I I really picked it off. I'd say in the past three years, to where I've picked up every sport, but football specifically. Yeah. Uh, okay. I started. See, I don't do it. I, I don't do it really anymore. I don't do it anymore much at all. Rarely. I mean, I, I my I, my nights and my days begin and end with me looking at what the what the sheet for the next day is going to be. Um, I mean, I picked up hockey in, the, in my junior year. Made a lot of money on the Kings beating the Devils for the cup. Uh, I believe that was my senior year of high school. Uh, middle school is really when I picked up football. It really is, you know, and it's just. You know, you know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Or, I mean, once you get to to where I'm at, I got like six guys who run their own play sheets at this point. So, you know, it's just, you know, there's seven different websites you can hop onto. And I think that's the best part about it now is that you just hop on a website that the domain is registered in Costa Rica. You're playing with funding money, and nobody knows what you're doing. You know, the government knows, but they can't do anything about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have, a, I have a buddy that's uh, actually bookmaker, and he runs his own internet site. And you can log on. Um, you get a logger user ID and a password. Quinn, you're in. I can get you set up, but I don't do it anymore really much. I do some parlay some, but if you want an account, I can get you hooked up. Would you like to do that, Quinn? Maybe I'll think about it. We are awful. Look at me all. I'm joking, Quinn. I wouldn't do that to you on air and say that, man. Are you crazy? I'm not going to jail. Are you crazy, man? Are you crazy? Are you plumb crazy? Well, let's talk about the uh, the you know the playoff scenario right now, just real quick. Going to the division NFC East, the Eagles and the Washington Redskins play tomorrow, Jonathan. It's a good chance that that we have. Three seven and eight or two seven and eight teams right there. I think Philly's going to win. If the Giants win Sunday, what's going to happen with this mess? Three seven and eight teams. Do the Giants and the Redskins play the final week? Uh, no, actually, it's the uh, it's the Eagles and the Giants. 
Um, so, for good nature, let's go with the Eagles win and can the Giants beat Minnesota. Okay. So, we've got three, seven, and eight teams going into week 17 at that point. All right, so the Eagles will play the Giants. Now, I think no matter what the Redskins do, the winner of that game will win the division. Yeah. Well, no, actually, okay, just figure this one out. So here we go. Eagles win and Giants win. Then it comes down to next week, Washington's at Dallas. If Washington wins that game, they need the Giants to beat the Eagles to win the division. Um, if the Eagles beat the Giants, then they win the division. Now, if the Redskins win, win tomorrow, they clinch. There, there's nothing the Eagles or Giants can do. Uh, but, you know, if the Eagles do win, the Redskins would need to beat the Cowboys and would need the Giants to beat the Eagles to win the division. Um, that sounds confusing. Yeah, that's very confusing. That's just, oh, man, why can't they? Why is this division always like that, too? I mean, we knew coming in that it was just going to be a terrible division, especially when Romo got hurt. You know, it was going to be like this. You know, Dez Bryant's doubtful this weekend. He's not going to play because – He's not going to risk his his beautiful self, his beautiful mom-beating self in a game that means nothing. The Giants had Odell Beckham. And I, and I think, have we been on since, uh, yeah, we was on Wednesday. Odell Beckham actually tried to get his suspension overturned. It did not work. He went before the committee or the board, Jonathan, and they said they weren't going to review or turn it over because this guy was actually non-remorseful in the – in the hearing, I mean, actually, cocky answered with one word answers, answer questions with one words. I mean, what kind of guy is this? And, and here's the deal, and I've said it before, he was on something that game. I don't know what it was, but he was not in his right mind during that game against the Carolina Panthers. I'm not, I'm not buying the fact that he really thought that the Carolina Panthers were going to beat him with ball bats. I'm not buying the fact that that they said they called him homophobic slurs. I'm not buying the fact that they made racial comments, black people calling black people racial comments. Really, is that really going to bother you, Jonathan, if someone from your own race is making a comment about you? I mean, come on. Let's get real. All those excuses, I'm not buying any of them. Yeah, I I agree. I, I don't buy any of them. I don't want to hear it. Um, look, at the end of the day, although you did something wrong, you got to own up to the fact that you messed up, you know. And, and I think that's a huge problem is that you know he doesn't he doesn't want to claim any you know there's no accountability here, you know. He's trying to just well these guys did this and these guys did that. Well, no, that's that's not what happened. I mean, just just suck it up, Buttercup. I mean, if really, how have you made it to the NFL uh, and, and without you know somebody trying to? I mean, really. Exactly. I just, I just don't understand how all of a sudden he's going to snap because some, somebody was, was saying something about him. And it's like that just now decided to get to you 23 years into your life? No, you just decided to be a punk. And then the problem was that you finally got caught being a punk. Yeah. And, and you, know, you know what? If it had come out and said after the game, look, I screwed up, I lost my head, I dropped that pass in the end zone, and I just snapped. I would respect him more than to try to make these excuses up. And what makes me even angrier is Eli Manning said nothing about it. Tom Coughlin supports him. If I'm Eli Manning and I'm the leader of that team, I'm going and grabbing Odell Beckham by the face mask and saying, look, idiot, 
shut your mouth or I'm going to break your neck. You're not going to be on my field. That's how Eli Manning should do it, right, Jonathan? I mean, somebody needs to stand up and tell this guy to shut up. And obviously there's no leaders on that team. Or, or, or you, you wouldn't have seen him do this for four quarters. And obviously the officials on the field, they didn't have a leader because I hope they never work a game again. I mean, that was the worst officiated game I've ever seen. But it was also embarrassing on the Giants' part. It shows you why they're 6-18 and 18 right now. They have no leadership. Well, I mean, Coughlin, from what I heard, he's made a couple of statements since you're saying, look, you know, he's trying to support his player, but at the same time, I guess from what I've heard, was also, look, you done did screwed up. You have to own up to it. Um, at the end of the day, you know, there there was the report that Peyton, you know, I mean, Eli Manning had told Odell Beckham, hey, stop being a jackass, and Odell decided just to, you know, look the other way and ignore whatever he was saying. And, and if that's the case, then, I mean, that looks really bad. So they just got to figure something out here because, you know, no matter how you're slicing it right now, this situation looks awful, and it's only it's only getting worse and worse by everybody trying to find excuses for him as to why he did this or did that. I mean, there's no just come out and say, "Look, I was a punk. I'm sorry, I was a punk. I won't be a punk yeah. again." And everybody will let you alone because that's just, that's the great thing about America. If you come out and apologize, all right, and you screw up, you come out and apologize. And we'll open you up with open arms. Everybody's just a second chance. Come in and get a hug. We've seen it time and time again with guys who committed crimes. Nonetheless, something, you know, that was just, you know, stupid like this on the field. You know, so, I mean, if you man up to it, everybody will let it go. It's when you don't man up to something that this stinks mm-hmm. becomes part of your name. When you retire, everybody's going to remember how you are punk against the Carolina Panthers. And, and you know what bothers me the most is what a selfish act it was, all the penalties, all the distractions. This team was in the hunt because the NFC East is so bad. They could be 7-7 seven and seven right now in first place in the NFC East. But this guy loses his head, and he makes it all about him. And Norman played on it. Norman, trust me, he – he was upset at first, too. He wanted to fight him. But you know what? They calmed him down and said, look, you have a lot to lose right here. We need you. We don't need you suspended. We're trying to, to make the Super Bowl here. We're trying to go undefeated. But this Beckham guy couldn't overlook his ego. That big ego got busted. And I'm sure when he dropped that pass, Norman Quinn, Quinn, I'm sure Norman just got all over him. And he couldn't handle it. He could not handle it once he dropped that pass. Yeah. And, you know, it's very selfishness. I mean, you you know, he's a he's a young player, but you've been there long enough, you know, to 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 realize what's at stake. You just screwed up a chance to go to the playoffs. And that's where you come in, Quinn. That's where you come in and talk. Okay. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think even if Odell did commit the penalties, that they would have won anyway. But. Well, well, maybe not. But I'm just saying, you, you, yeah, you never know. I mean, you know, I think, I think he may have fired him up a little bit and got him coming back a little bit. But I think also Carolina let up, Jonathan. I think Carolina got a 35 to seven and said, okay, let's get out of here without getting anybody killed. And they kind of mm-hmm. b- became the, you know, a little 
what, how do you say it, passive. They didn't want to really get into contact, and I think the Giants took advantage of it. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I mean, they just they just let up. They let up. They got up 35-7. to seven. They didn't want to injure anybody. They didn't want to. And I, I promise you, Cam Newton was one series away from being removed from that game. And all of a sudden, the Giants score, and they fumble, I believe. And all of a sudden, we've got a two-touchdown game. No way you can take him out at that point. And and I think this week will be different for, for Carolina. I think they, if they can get up to a big lead, I think they're going to pull him, Jonathan. I think Carolina, and let's talk about them for just a second. They go in on the road in Atlanta, Cam Newton's hometown in Atlanta. They play Atlanta. Atlanta's a team. They beat Jacksonville this past weekend. Can Atlanta, in two weeks, find out a way? They got beat 38 to nothing the last time they played two weeks ago in Carolina. Have they figured it out, something, to be able to beat Carolina? And we talked about this the other night. Any changes in your in your answer, really, in your thoughts? No, it's still going to be a blowout. Oh, I'm a radio shirt, right now, but all right. Like, it's, it's still... It's still going to be a blowout. I got utmost faith in the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, Atlanta can watch all the film they want. It's not going to do them any good. You know, it's just it, there was they couldn't do anything, whether it was offensively, defensively. They couldn't figure anything out. They could not solve this riddle that is the Carolina Panthers. And I don't think two weeks is enough time. And, and all honesty, in two weeks, you know, it's not like they got healthier. It's not like all of a sudden, you know, Julio Jones and Roddy White drank, you know, the elixir of life. You know, I mean, there's, I don't really foresee a situation where, you know, Atlanta hangs with Carolina. Um, and last week, you know, just like last week where Carolina lets them climb, climb back into it. Well, Jonathan, we're going to take a call real quick from Atlanta, Georgia. You're on way in sports. Who's this? This is Naj, man. How you doing? Hey, good, Naj. What's going on? Uh, I'm much listening to you guys. Uh, I guess the, the Odell Beckham Norman thing sticks out uh, just because he was able to get him that frustrated. But we got to remember, uh, Norman's not playing him one on one, cutting off the field. He get he's got safety help when he's covering him. Uh, they played Odell in the slot a lot, so it wasn't just a one on one matchup. I think it was more just. You know, they were getting whooped. Uh, he was getting frustrated because him and Norman, you know, were going at it all game. And he just got, you know, he just got out of character, man. And to be honest about it, Coughlin, who, uh, who kind of prides himself on being this disciplinarian, uh, the fact that he was just more worried about getting the win and knowing he needed Odell and wouldn't pull him from the game kind of exposes Coughlin uh, in a certain way. But... Yeah, Odell, he, he lost his mind out there, man. That, the spearing to Norman's chin was totally uncalled for. Like, if you just want to rough it up and you and a guy are going to go at it, I can understand that. But when you start doing things like that where you, uh, you know, could possibly seriously hurt somebody for the rest of their life, you know, that can't just be swept under the rug. I, I, I don't think the, the punishment was hard enough against him for that for that hit. But, well, nice. Norman, Norman, why, why, why is nobody talking about the officials? Why is nobody, why is nobody talking about the oh, officials? Really, that that point. just made me more aggravated than anything. I'm an official myself, and you know, if I see that going on, and I warn you a couple times like that, I'm finally throwing you. I'm ejecting you, especially for that helmet to helmet shot, that cheap shot. You could, 
in somebody's career. But I know Beckham got suspended and fined. Norman got fined. What has happened to the officials? Have you heard anything? Because I think they should be suspended for the rest of the season. Well, Blandino called them out and said there's going to be some discipline. So I'm guessing, you know, they'll they're probably miss a game or miss a check or something like that. But, I mean, it's not going to be anything to where they just get spotlighted because the last thing you want to hear the NFL is, you know, when officials make mistakes, you, you you say something and then you just kind of keep it moving quickly, kind of like the NBA with Donaghy back in the day. You don't want a, a big story to come out of it. But those those officials were horrible, though. Yeah, yeah, they they didn't do their job and things escalated as the game went along. But Coughlin and the officials take a lot of the blame, but the biggest person to blame is Odell because he let Norman get to him. And let me tell you though, Norman, he is not a likable guy if you're on the other team. That dude, he nope. talks a lot. So I I could see being frustrated by a guy who's acting like he's Daryl Revis, but he's not actually guarding you one-on-one all game like he's actually doing it. So, so I, 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 can, I can see where that can come in. And as far as Atlanta, Carolina this week, I think it'll be a close game because a lot of people on the Falcons are playing for their NFL lives. Uh, Dan Quinn brought this – I mean, he, he hasn't had his chance to turn this roster over. There's a lot of guys who not only won't be on the Falcons next year, uh, some people will be lucky to make any roster next year. So they're going to really go hard. I think they'll come up with a good scheme for the game, and I think they'll play Carolina a lot closer than people think. And because Carolina's a better team, they'll probably pull away in the fourth. But I think it'll be a close game. It's in the dome where I'm, Matt Ryan is a I'm with better. you. Oh, I'm with you, man. I think I think it's going to be about a field goal game, honestly, I think. I think it'll be like a Giants game, but not a blowout at first like that was. I think Carolina will – It'll be back and forth. Falcons could be up by, by four or five in the fourth quarter, and Carolina score a touchdown with Cam Newton at the end. It seems that, like, any time there's adversity, Naj, when, when this Carolina team, it's like there's no panic. They know Cam Newton's going to take them down the field. I mean, how big is that heading, finishing this undefeated run out, but also entering the playoffs? How, how, how big is it that they have that much faith in their quarterback? Yeah, that's, that's huge, uh, not only for the defense, but offensively, because everybody, like you said, has that calm. And it's just Cam is the cheat code, man. It, it's, it's starting to look like him at Auburn out there to where third and short, they'll just let him run for it. And if he doesn't get it, now you got fourth and inches or fourth and one, and then you know he's going to get it because he's so big. And since they don't have a real, you know, number one wide receiver, he's spreading the ball all around. Uh, Ted Ginn is kind of taking the top off the defense and they're running a lot. And, I mean, this team is, like, I, I never thought this team would go undefeated. I thought he would need a better weapons than this. But, yeah, Cam, uh, he's yeah. proven that he is that, that one of the, you know, best talents we've ever seen in the NFL. Yeah, he – well, what do, what do you think about the AFC? Jonathan and I, Quinn, we spoke about it earlier. Who do you see in the AFC coming out? I see – New England and Pittsburgh, really. I can't really envision something that's showing anything else. I think one of those two teams are going to make the Super Bowl. Do you see anything different? Uh, no. I mean, those are the two teams. As long as Pittsburgh gets in, they're the most dangerous team in the NFL. I don't think anybody wants to play them in a one-game situation. You know, because Ben could get hot, those receivers could get hot, they could put 30 on you, so that's their problem. Uh, I would guess Denver is the sleeper. Uh, they're going to try to run the ball more, 
and I think they'll try to do things that will keep Osweiler uh, comfortable. And you know Peyton is itching to get back, even though that's kind of scary to me. I don't want to see Peyton look bad at the end of his career. But I, I think Denver's a problem, too, just because of that defense. The defense always keeps you in it, doesn't it? Indeed. That part of the game hasn't changed. Tell me about Seattle right quick. What do you think about the Seahawks? They're kind of the the Pittsburgh of the AFC, really, or of the NFC. And they're hot right now, but I'm still not convinced that they've really beaten quality teams. Um, Are they better than Arizona? or, or, Or who do you see coming out? Of, of the NFC. Give me who you think is going to be in the NFC championship game. Uh, yeah, I, I think you just said it right there when we are talking about Seattle. They got that championship pedigree. He's a confident guy. Uh, I think they lost their confidence early, but now they kind of gained it back. And even those losses early, remember, those are close games that they were leading in. And Russell Wilson is playing, you know, at a level most of us thought he couldn't actually play at. And they may get Lynch back, which makes me more of a problem. Arizona losing Honey Badger was really, really big. I don't think people understand how good Honey Badger was this year and how much he made that defense, uh, you know, viable. So that's that's the one. Because I had Arizona before that injury. Uh, that was the team I was rolling with. Carson Palmer, second MVP this year to me. And, you know, they play well. But, man, that, that, that's that got to hurt. And the rest yeah. of the NFC is just kind of, ugh. Because, I mean, how, how do you expect Aaron Rodgers to win with that? You know what I mean? Like, as great as Aaron yeah. Rodgers is, man, there's only so much you can do by yourself. Yeah, he's, he doesn't have the cast. So you think Carson Palmer's the MVP winner? No, I said I think he's second. Uh, Cam's, I think okay. Cam's already won it. Yeah. I would have Carson Yeah, I do too. Yeah, well, too. Honey Badger is. Jonathan, tell us what you think. Uh, Honey Badger was one of the reasons, not only can he do it on defense, but special teams, he just brings an energy to that team that I I don't think a lot of people realize you just can't replace it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, You know, he really does, uh, whether it is special teams, whether it is on defense, uh, he he brings an edge to the game uh, because he plays all out. He plays extremely well. Um, And as you mentioned, you know, that the him going down with that ACL tear is huge. Obviously, that hurts them in the return game. Um, I mean, they still have Patrick Peterson they can put back there. Let's not forget Patrick Peterson's no slouch. He's a pretty good return kid. Um, now, you know, but what really hurts is in the second is in the slot because he was really their slot guy, um, their, their slot cover corner, and for him to go down that really opens up a hole there that you know a couple of these teams can expose. Uh, you know, and, and I think this is this is one of those situations where, luckily, if you will, it happened right now because Arizona is essentially playing two playoff games these next two weeks, um, so they can actually test it out and see who they're going to put there. But it's it's a real unfortunate situation. It's always unfortunate when somebody suffers an ACL injury. Uh, just, I mean, you know, I guess you know we'll, we'll see you next season. Because thank God we, you know, in 30 years, instead of it being a career ender, you're down for eight months and then you know you're back to being you know 90 percent. Yeah. Well, Naj, what do you think about if Carolina wins tomorrow or Sunday, they clinch uh, for the home field throughout the playoffs? How do they look in Week 17 against Tampa Bay? Do they care about the undefeated season? 
or, or do they just want to get healthy and make sure they have enough people in that second week of the playoffs? Uh, I think they go for it. Uh, Rivera seems like an old-school uh, guy in the sense that he doesn't want his team to get stale. So I think they're going to go out there and go for it. I, even though, me personally, I think you should play your guys for a half. You know, don't tell them, but play them for a half and then pull them. Because at a yeah. certain point, it'd be nice to be undefeated, but, I mean, the risk, the risk is, is, is just it's too much, man. This is a violent game. And you can lose an important piece that actually – turns you from a contender to, you know, somebody who's just going to play one uh, one playoff game. But uh, I, I, I just think at a certain point it's going to come back to bite them. Like, there's no way you, you can't win a Super Bowl with that receiving core. That, that's what I believed all my life, and I'm not going to change that until I see it. So I, I do think they're going to get put out sooner than that. So you think Carolina will get put out? Yeah, I, I, I just don't think you can keep doing this, man. I, I don't know how Cam is doing it. It's amazing, but well, I think if the defense is really helping him out a lot too, and and like you said, he's hitting a lot of receivers. He's got Olsen to, to work with. Jonathan Stewart's a beast when he he didn't even play last week. They're resting him, but you know what I was concerned with last week is I saw Cam Newton get hit several times, and he was slow to get up and. All it takes is one hit. You lose Cam Newton, it's it's over. So I don't care about the undefeated regular season. I mean, if you're sixteen and one, congratulations, that's great. You're fifteen and two. As long as you win the Super Bowl, that's all that really matters. Nobody cares if you're sixteen and no and you go out in the first round. But um I like I like Carolina to win it. And I'm gonna tell you, being at home, I think that home field advantage is gonna be huge for them. They never have to leave care of uh you know, North Carolina, they're staying right there at home. But I think that defense is going to start playing at a higher level. And that's something over the past month that I've seen them not being able to do. They've kind of let off the gas a little bit at times. I think they're getting their second win. But that offense, all it does is physically try to dominate you. So it's not like a, a rhythm kind of offense. It's a ground and pound, play action, hit your tight end, hit some short routes, hit some long, hit some, take some chances down the field. And I think that's the problem. When you have a quarterback like Cam Newton that can run and throw, it just keeps your whole defense kind of on edge. They don't know what to do, and I think Carolina's exploiting it. And it's, it's just hard to stop. Oh, yeah. And, and, and to piggyback on your point, that D-line is something, man. Like, they set the line of scrimmage, period. I, I love that D-line. And the scary thing about it is, what if old crazy guy in Dallas was still there? How good would that D-line be right now? Like, that, oh, man. man, that D-line is oh, good. Oh, man. That Davis and Keekly behind him. Like, yeah. And so, I mean, that defense is legit. And when I say that I think they're going to trip up, it's definitely not going to be the fault of the defense. I, I think at some point, Somebody's going to play one-on-one man-man coverage, and I think the receivers are going to have trouble winning their matchups. Uh, Ted Ginn is, is surprised the hell out of all of us, so maybe he can make <laughs> a big play that'll, that'll, that'll matter. But we'll see, man. It's a tough one. Hey, Naj, I was, I was going to say, you talk about the receiving cores. You know, look at New England last year, really. They had Gronkowski, but really, who did they have? It's like Tom Brady was able to – and he can't run, but he was able just to dissect it and move the ball around enough. You know, he used short passes as a running game. And I kind of see Carolina, you know, Greg Olson, it's kind of like Gronkowski, if you will. But now Ted Ginn has yeah, really made this offense. Come on now. 
You know, Tarzino, you know, now come on now. They run countless no, animals and no, anything no. we've ever seen. No, but, uh, no, no I'm saying, I'm saying he's the, the Carolinas. Oh. Yeah, he's the yeah, he's yeah. Carolinas version of uh, of Gronkowski. Where, where the where the tight end is the best receiver on your team, and now you have oh, right, bunches. Right. No it's, it's starting to come. To, yeah, I don't think Olsen's better than Gronkowski. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just Man, I, I just see him starting to make it. Yeah, Gronk is a monster. Yeah, but I, man. Like you got a tight end like that. Somebody needs to just knock season. him out. Yeah, somebody yeah, just needs to knock good. him out, Jonathan. Well, that's what needs to happen. Gronk needs to be knocked out. You may knock yourself out trying to knock him out. That's just trouble with that. But yeah, Olsen, <laughs> he's the second best tight end in the league. He gets up the scene and makes plays. And he's got the best hands on the team, too. So. Mm-hmm. And I think he's tougher than Gronkowski. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. He, he, I see him take time. He will not stay out of a football game. He will not. But Gronkowski is a little more fragile. I think he misses a lot of time with injuries, well, well, and he's just an injured so problem. Fast, the collisions are harder. I, I just think the collisions are harder because he's so fast. Mm-hmm. Like Gronk is, is quick, and then he's so huge that guys are always trying to go for his legs. And you know, we, we could see that in the playoffs. That could be New England season. They go out there first game of the playoffs, and somebody gets Gronk low and hits him in the knee, and he's out. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like you know, that's like Jordy Nelson going out for Green Bay. Look how bad they are now that that they're missing that one guy. One guy can make a difference. If if Carolina loses Greg Olson, do you understand how how devastating that would be? Just like. Gronkowski leading the Patriots. I mean, that's why you keep these guys healthy. You don't care about that that undefeated record, Jonathan. You just want to keep keep your fresh, keep your best players rotated, rested. Don't don't leave them stale, but let them play like Nosh said. Let them play a half. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I agree. I agree. I agree a hundred percent with that. You know, let them let them play. Uh, I mean, if the game gets out of hand early. Then you know, beautiful. You know, I was gonna pull you guys anyway. If it's a close one, you know, your guys will put up a fight. But it becomes, you know, what what's what's for the greater good? You know, would you rather win? Um, you know, would you rather go sixteen and zero and maybe lose somebody injury, or would you rather go fifteen and one but we're fully healthy for a playoff run? You know, and I imagine Ron Rivera's having those conversations with this team, and you know, he's he's witnessed as somebody who hasn't rested guys and somebody who has rested guys as assistant coach, you've seen how that how both situations have worked. Um, and I know he would rather not sit guys. So, you know, it's gonna be an interesting situation on how we control you know, how he manages playing time these last two games. And you've got a bye coming up too. That's a big deal. Like if Carolina was a wild card team or or a Third or a third seed, you know, having to host a game that first weekend, it would be a lot different. But because they get that bye-nage already, it's already they've already locked that in. Maybe you don't have to rest them as much as we're talking about right now. Yeah, no, that, that's a, that, that's true too. And, and let me ask you all this though: uh, at the end of camp, when Josh Norman and Cam Newton got into it, we all thought, "Oh, Cam is being immature, fighting with a corner. You're too valuable. You're a quarterback." But now that we know Josh Norman's personality, uh, do people owe Cam an apology about getting into it with Josh Norman? Because it seems everybody gets into it with Josh Norman. 
Yeah, and Cam doesn't get into it a lot with people, especially physically, really altercations. He will jaw at you a little bit. But I think what happened was is the guy was just – Cam had a bad day in practice, and this guy was getting lucky at getting some picks, and he got a pick six and running his mouth. And I think Cam Newton just had enough and just went off. But, yeah, I mean, especially if you're the leader of the team – you're not going to take crap off some guy that, that thinks he's Revis, you know. He, like you said, he thinks he's he's a lockdown corner, and he's he's got he's a, he, I mean, they run a zone. That's all they do in Carolina. It's not like he's man to man, you know. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think Cam maybe tried to humble him a little bit, but I don't think it worked. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. He's going for the money though, man. Because if you're a quarterback, the only way to get paid is to make yourself visible. So he's done a good job of that, and he can play. But you know, but look, look at look at Sherman, man, the biggest mouth in the NFL, and people hated him, but yet, you know, people feared him. He's no Richard Sherman by no means, but he's he's good. He's good. He's yeah. not on that level. He's not yeah. on that level. Well, no, I Sherman think, got paid. For, yeah, he did. He he ran his mouth a little bit. Anything else you want to talk about in the NFL before we move on? Uh, no, man, uh, thank you all for letting me on the show. I know you usually do college football, so I just, I guess I just want to ask who you got winning it all, and I'm out of here. Well, man, it's it's hard to say. I'm going to say right now Alabama. Uh, I think they match up with Michigan State well. I just think their five stars are just too much to handle, and Michigan State's offense won't score. I think Clemson, everybody's writing them off picking Oklahoma. I think Alabama and Clemson will be a, a good game, but, man, that's going to be tough. Uh, it's hard. I'm going to say Alabama right now. Johnson, who do you have? It's just hard. I could see I could see either one of these teams winning it all. Well, um, I'm going to take Michigan State to beat Alabama in the semifinal. I think the difference in that game is Connor Cook's a better quarterback than Jacob Coker. Uh, and – I mean, great run defense for Michigan State. They're going to slow Derrick Henry down. He's not a run. You can hand him the ball 45 times. You, you go on ahead. Um, he, he ain't getting 300 yards. Uh, and then and down in the Orange Bowl, I'm taking Clemson to beat Oklahoma. Um, everybody talked about Oklahoma's hot coming into this game. There's like a month in between the last game and this game. Momentum doesn't roll after a one-month bye. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care who, tell, who who tells you that lie. That's not how that works. All right. Clemson's undefeated. I think they're one of the better teams in college football. I have them winning that game. And then coming down Clemson and Michigan State in the national championship game, um, I am going to take Clemson in that game. I think their offense is, is the most dynamic uh, that Michigan State has seen. Uh, this is an offense that Ohio State pretty much ran last year and was able to run right through Michigan State, just like Oregon did as well. Mobile quarterbacks do give Michigan State some troubles. Defense is good enough. I have Clemson, as much as I hate to say it, winning the national championship. Quinn, who do you have? I think it will be Bama and Oklahoma. And then I think everything tells me that I, that my gut and my head tells me that Oklahoma is going to win it all, but unless Bama plays Auburn or Notre Dame with what Bama has done in the past, leading up to this point with Saban, I, I never go against Bama unless they're playing no, Auburn or Notre Dame, so I'll go with Bama. 
Solange, who do you think, man? Uh, well, I'm going Clemson, even though history says you shouldn't go with Clemson in big games. I'm going to still go with them. I, I just can't pick an Oklahoma team that got beat by Texas. Like, I, I just can't respect Thank you. that at all. I, I can't. Thank you. <laughs> but either way, man, it's either going to be, I think, Clemson being dynamic and scoring a lot, or we're going to see Saban just bum rush everybody, and then everybody says, man, why didn't we pick Alabama? So, it's between those two for me, and it's a toss-up. Well, Naj, Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us. Call in Sunday night. We're, we're going to break down the bowls even more, some of the bigger bowls. So, Merry Christmas, and we'll see you Sunday night. And, Jonathan, I mean, I just – Oklahoma, like not like Naj said, you lost to Texas, man. That's a, that's a bad, bad loss. And then your wins are against backup quarterbacks, really, in your rival games and your big games, and you don't play a championship game. I just can't give any love to Oklahoma. I'm sorry. I know the the hype, the ESPN hype machines rolling, but screw that, man. I've seen it all year. I've watched football all year just like you have, and I think Clemson's a better team than Oklahoma, and I think Alabama's a better team than Michigan State. But but I'll tell you this, this Alabama offense does scare me a little bit against a Michigan State defense. But the reason I feel confident with Alabama is I think they have more playmakers on offense to be able to make some plays. But that defense for Alabama is not going to let Connor Cook breathe. I mean, I, I think he has a terrible game against Alabama for that defense. I mean, the way I look at it is I think we can count on Jake Coker making a stupid mistake, right? I mean, every game it seems like he makes that one dumb mistake. Um, so, Connor Cook, the way I'm looking at it, he's not going to make a dumb mistake. You know, Con- Connor's going to hes gonna be very poised. This isn't his first rodeo. You know, it, 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 he's not going to be shocked and awed by anything that they try to accomplish. Uh, this Bama defense, I mean, he's hes seen a lot. So, I, that's why, you know, looking at it, um, I, I think, you know, Michigan State, I, honestly, at this point, I think they're going to win this game. Uh, the fact that the line is nine and a half, give me the points all day. That's that's an easy one for me. Um, and, and then we go from there. I mean, I just, you know, I, I honestly just think that there's too much smoke being blown up Alabama right now. You know, they can't throw the football. And Derrick Henry runs 40, 190 yards and 45 carries. That's fine. He did that against Florida. Florida can't do anything offensively. They're offensively incompetent. Okay? We've seen, all right, how, you know, if you can you can move the ball on them just a little bit, sooner or later their back's going to break. You know, they just haven't faced a real good offensive team. They haven't faced a real good quarterback this year. If you really want to go at it, who's the best quarterback they face? Chad Kelly? Probably. Back press and he beat them. Um, yeah, but but here's the deal: Michigan State. You, it's kind of that unforgivable loss to a, a, a losing team in Nebraska, like that. Their loss against a, a team with a losing record. You have Oklahoma with a bad loss. Clemson doesn't have a loss. Alabama has a loss to a team in the New Year's Six. And you, you, you look at that, too. I mean, Michigan State lost to Nebraska. Come on now. You, you lose them. I know it was a controversial call, but you were close enough. And they beat Michigan by luck. So this this could easily be a three-loss team right now we're talking about. 
Well, I mean, the way I look at it, I look at Michigan State as a one-loss team. And I look at it as they lost to Michigan, but they beat Nebraska. Because I saw some, I saw terrible officiating yeah. Yeah. in that game that gave Nebraska a win that Nebraska sorely needed. And, I, you know, not for nothing, but Ohio State needed that too at the time. And then I saw, you know, obviously the pure luck play for Michigan, which I, you know, I mean, that's how I look at them. I mean, the Michigan State I also see is the one that threw a backup quarterback out there against Ohio State, and the defense held them to 13 points. And I don't care what anybody says about Ezekiel Elliott not getting the ball enough. Ohio State couldn't do anything. It's not like Elliott was averaging, you know, seven, eight nine yards a carry, seven and three. So, I mean, you know, I think this is a very good defense. I think this is going to be a dogfight, and it's going to come down to, um, I believe, which defense and special teams convert something into points. And I think that's where Alabama's got pretty good punt return guys. Uh, and that might actually be the big difference in this game. I just think if you tell me, look, I'll buy the half and get the line at 10, I'll take Michigan State plus the 10 because I think this is a dogfight game. You know, the big 10 is not the whipping boy anymore. You know, not the whipping boy anymore. Yeah, and you know one thing we talk about special teams. Alabama's punter, he can he can nail them now. Their kicker's still their kicker. He, you never know what's going to happen. But the punter for Alabama is, can really flip field position. You get them d- deep inside their territory, all of a sudden they can flip the field real quick with one kick, which is which is good to have as a weapon when you have a great defense like Alabama has. It's going to be the best game. I think that's the better of the two games. I know the point spread's nine and a half, but there's a reason that one's in prime time, Jonathan, instead of the four o'clock game because it's the best game. I think the winner of that game wins the championship. I I I just think giving Clemson this month off to recalibrate, to take, get a breather, um, I think that gives them an advantage over all these other teams because Clemson's undefeated. Um, and it's not like they've had real close games. They've been close games in the fourth quarter comes around, and they've been able to kind of pull away. It's not like Florida State last season where Florida State was having to pull things out of the jaws of death. This, this is almost like Florida State, you know, um, not for, you know, well, kind of like Florida State in 2013 is what this Clemson team reminds me of, honestly. Not that they're destroying everybody like that team did, I think that's something that, you know, very rarely will we ever see. But how they, 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 they never seem to lose control of a game. When you watch a Clemson game, they never seem to lose control. And that, I think, is what, you know, made me the most nervous when Florida State got ready to play them, to be honest, was that they just, they just don't quit. It's a very solid group of guys mm-hmm. led by uh, a, a one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen in the ACC. Yeah, that's why they're good. They're quarterback. That's why Clemson hasn't choked the game away like they usually do is because their quarterback is just so good that, you know, he was the Heisman Trophy winner in my mind. I mean, honestly, what he did at quarterback for Clemson, maybe the last time Clemson went undefeated and, and did anything. So that ought to tell you something. It reminds me, Clemson reminds me of Auburn back when Cam Newton was there. I mean, how quick it can turn mm-hmm. with a quarterback like that, a dynamic quarterback that can do it with his legs and arm. And now I think Clemson's going to, you know, Auburn was an underdog to Oregon by three when it opened up, just kind of like Clemson was to Oklahoma. But I think as the game gets closer, I think that line's going to shrink down right now to about a pick or a one-point game 
because I think I think Clemson is right now the best team in football. They're undefeated. They've got a, a good defense, a good enough defense. Their quarterback can make plays. Dabo Sweeney's he hasn't been here before, but he's been in a lot of big bowl games. I'll put it that way. He knows how to prepare his team. I just think it's Saban and Dabo uh, a rematch. But but here's one thing that nobody talks about much is the fact that Alabama was there last year. The first time the playoff ever happened, they got a taste of it. They realized what it was like to fail, what they did wrong in preparation, where you have teams like the other three teams that are in the playoff this year, this uncharted water to them. I think Alabama has an advantage there because because they've been there before. I agree. I do think that's a huge advantage. And you're right. Nobody's mentioned that. So, I mean, that has definitely been something that I haven't heard one person on ESPN say, hey, look, Alabama's been here before. They know how to prepare for this. You know, this, isn't, this isn't the first time that, you know, they're going to be in this light. And it's not just the whole, well, they've played in the championship games before. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, no, you know, only four teams have played in playoff games before. You know, so, you know, it's it's definitely something different. I think there is definitely something to be said for that. And let's, let's remember, Clemson beat Oklahoma 40-6 to in their bowl game last year. Now, I know Baker Mayfield wasn't the quarterback, but 40-6. to So, I think Clemson's going to yeah. come out of and say, we're going we're gonna to get up on them again. And, you know, Oklahoma, I mean, how, you know, you got a big hole to climb out of there. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, that not only does Alabama have the experience, but less than a year ago, Clemson just humiliated Oklahoma. And there's something in that. I mean, turnovers happen. I get that. I understand it. But there's a lot going on mentally. that I, I just think they call Big Bob, Big Game Bob. I just don't think he's Big Game Bob anymore. I just don't think he's that kind of a coach. Yeah, he's a consistent coach at Oklahoma. Um finishing in the top three about every year in your conference. That's great, but you only have one national championship to show for it in a week conference. But, but yeah, you're right. ESPN's not talking about it. Nobody's talking about Alabama coming back. And, you know, and you give Saban another chance to do it right, you have to you have to really wonder. I'm excited to see it. I, I would love to see I would love to see Clemson and Michigan State in the championship. I think that would be a phenomenal game. I just don't think we will. But, you know, I was wrong last year. I thought I thought Alabama was going to beat Ohio State, didn't I, John? Look what happened. Yeah, yeah. And I was – I was I, – I, I, uh, I think we all had Alabama – I think we all had Alabama that game last year. And I think that's another thing that Saban's – you know, really, I think he's really getting on his guy through the whole look. Everybody said we were going to win it last year. Y'all let it get to your head and thought you were just going to walk over this dog. All right, y'all thought you know, Ohio State was going to come out and just hand the victory. I think they, you know, the whole team that, you know, all the guys that returned from last year's team, they, they understand, like, we did not prepare ourselves because they, they listened to the hype. They did. And that's why I think, I, you know, I think you really have something there with the whole, they've been there before, they didn't win it, and, you know, Saban's going to whip them like dogs all week, telling them, look, we lost this last year. Mm-hmm. Y'all are so sorry. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot. To, I'm trying to get Quinn back on, and the button's not working. So, Quinn, damn it, I can't get you on. Um, we're going we're gonna to cut it off right here and come back Sunday night, and we're going to, 
we're going to review all the NFL games, Jonathan, and we're going to go ahead and have to go over all the bowl games in, in detail. I wanted to save that for Sunday night, but I did want to do a special show tonight just to do one on Christmas since we've never done it before. But anything you want to go over real quick before we go? Uh, yeah, actually, um, for those who don't know, tomorrow is uh, – we, we do have some bowl games uh, starting at noon with uh, and with Connecticut Marshall. But the one that I'm going to tune into is uh, Tulsa and Virginia Tech. It's Frank Deemer's last game on a sideline. And, you know, I just – what a special career, you know, for that he's had to be in one school for so long and, you know, to go out uh, on his own terms and, you know, hopefully go out a winner. Uh, I just like watching that, especially since being a Florida State fan, I got to watch that with Bobby. Uh, so that's the one thing that if you love college football, I, I do hope you tune in, um, especially for the pregame because I imagine it will be uh, a little a little teary-eyed. Yeah, that's a good point. We have Nebraska tomorrow night, a 5-17 and 17, playing UCLA in a bowl game. Don't be surprised if Nebraska beats UCLA because – I think Nebraska actually wants to be there, whereas UCLA's mind that we got Washington State, Miami, a game that should be interesting. If you want to see some scoring, turn over and watch Indiana and, and Duke play. And then Monday, there's two games, Pittsburgh Navy, and then we have Central Michigan, Minnesota, and I think a couple of days later, Auburn even plays in the, in the uh, Birmingham Bowl. So we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. And again, real quick, I want to talk about Auburn's defensive coordinator, um, it's going to be hard to find a guy to give up what he's doing now to come just in case Gus Malzahn, he is on the hot seat. Promote from within if you're Auburn. Lance Thompson's a good fit, I think, to be the defensive coordinator or go out and get a guy you know is going to stay with you three to five years. It's young enough to, that would appreciate an opportunity to come into the SEC. Jonathan, what do you think about that? I say promote from within or get a young guy. I don't want some of these refurbished has been coaches right now coming through recycled coaches. Um, I like from from within. I think it's a good strategy to have. Uh, It's good for the kids you recruited and it's also good for the kids you have because you know they they already know who they're dealing with. Uh, And you know the strategy shouldn't be much different. Um, I just have I have to ask uh, the assistant you mentioned. Uh, you know, give me a quick standing report on him. I mean, what's his current position, and and you know, is there anything that you know about him? Because I I know I know next to nothing. And I didn't do any homework on him. Well, I mean, Lance Thompson is a linebackers coach. He's he's been under Saban for a long time. Before he came he came to Auburn. Right now, he he he. I mean, that shows something right there. You leave Alabama to come to Auburn, a chance to to build something special. He's a uh, uh, he's never been a defensive coordinator that meant anything. I think he was a defensive coordinator in a smaller school or something. I believe. I'm, I'm trying to trying to think. But but with me, it's Auburn. It's not about the defense. It's just the consistency of having the same scheme there. That's what what I fear. They've been through like three defensive coordinator changes in four years. So I mean, let's have some consistency. Lance Thompson knows Will Muschamp's defense. He's coached with Will before. Um, the same scheme. And that's what, Jonathan, you start mixing and matching schemes. You start changing coaches and they bring in total, totally new philosophies 
that's what causes Auburn's problems, I think. And it's not that they don't have talent. It's just it's hard to learn these defenses. And then all of a sudden you learn this one, you got to learn a new one next year. It takes a good two to three years to, to learn a defense. And I think it would be very wise and very to Auburn's benefit if they would just promote from within somebody there that knew Will Muschamp's defense. And that's Lance Thompson. Quinn, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with that, but I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to get USF's defensive coordinator that outside of the Western Kentucky game and the bowl game, he's done pretty well all year, and it's really sounding like that's who they're after. And I don't know how reliable the source is. Take it with all you want. But I heard heard a couple days ago he was in Auburn. South Florida's defensive coordinator? South Florida. You know, it's got to be bad when you're trying to get South Florida's defensive coordinator away from them. No, that actually, that wouldn't be a bad hire. He's pretty good, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm in the Tampa area, so I have to put up with a lot of USF media. Um, And, you know, I I actually have – only teammates who play who play for that uh, that school and friends. And, um, I've only heard good things about that coaching staff, and uh, yeah, like Quinn said, USF defense isn't bad, and that also gives you a little bit of pipeline into being able to recruit uh, Florida, especially the Tampa Bay area. And a lot of people don't talk about it. Everybody wants to look at really North Florida, the you know, Jacksonville area, um, and Miami, but. Tampa area has a lot of talent coming out. Um, and, it, you know, if Nate Craig Myers, top receiver recruit, who did decommit from Auburn but didn't move from from their list, he's from Tampa. And his his, uh, his brother is from West Pasco County, which is right next to Tampa, uh, you know, in Hillsborough County. And the idea is they're, they're a package deal. So I think he could help you guys out in recruiting-wise, especially for the state of Florida. Um, not, it wouldn't be a bad move. It wouldn't be a bad move. Okay. Yeah. What kind he of scheme does he run? He was the linebackers coach at Ole Miss, too. Hmm. What kind of scheme does he run, Quinn? I, I've heard multiple things. Do you exactly know what he runs? Uh, uh, from, from what I've seen, um, and I, you know, I don't watch USF too much. My grandfather really loved watching that program, um, so I have watched some of their games. Uh, it is more of a four-three scheme, um, but okay. I, you know, I think he tries to mold, he tries to work with the town a little more. Uh, he does. He's one of the few mm-hmm. coaches that you'll see across America, which is a shame that can that will try to mold his scheme to his talent, uh, and that's what they've had to do. That's, uh, do that's it, smart. USF. Oh, genius. That's smart. I love and, 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 you know, I don't like the 3-4 when you don't have four great linebackers, and that's Auburn's problem. You're trying to run 3-4 without the the talent, really, the recruited talent in there yet, what it's supposed to do. And I don't know. I, look, Gus Malzahn knows what he wants and what he's doing more than I do. But if you're going to promote – if you can't find anybody before you just go write a million-dollar check to some bomb coach – Look at Lance Thompson. But here's the deal. If Lance Thompson was so good, wouldn't he be a defensive coordinator somewhere else anyway? And that's that's the same thing I say about Tracy Rocker, Rodney Garner, these guys people talk about. 
they're just position coaches, man. They're never going to be anything else. You only have a certain window until you're you're promoted. You either get it and you get promoted, or you stay an, an assistant coach and be a positions coach. And maybe Lance Thompson's window's passed. I don't know. But I know Tracy Rocker is. He grouts about why he had never been a defensive coordinator. Well, you've been a position coach for 58 years. I mean, nobody wants you. I mean, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just the way it goes. It's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. But, guys, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. We'll Merry see you Sunday Merry night. Christmas. I'll let you know. The, I'll let you know at the time. It'll probably be in the afternoon, kind of like it was last week. So we can end the first games, if that's okay with you all, and start into the second one. So. I love it. I love. I love how we do that. Yeah, I liked it. It was oh, fun, yeah. especially when I'm, I'm well, especially when I'm heated like that. So you better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining me tonight, and uh, yep. we'll see y'all Sunday. All right, y'all. Merry Christmas. Have a, have a good Merry. one, and uh, 